Hi everyone, and welcome to this very first episode of the Cisco Chat Podcast Series. My name is Gwendolyn Regina, and I'm the guest moderator for this upcoming series of podcasts that cross various topics like data, security, and robotics. So I'm not from Cisco, and when Cisco first approached me to invite me to host this podcast series, I was like, wait, why do the series, and what's so special about it, right? So they explained to me how they want a non-Cisco person to quote unquote put the executives on the spot. I was like, wow, like a big you know, enterprise company wants to do that. I was like, okay, I'm quite impressed. So my background is in technology startups across Asia over the last decade or so. So I've seen a, like a large number of industries and how they evolve. And when I think about how this series would allow me to interview some of Cisco's top domain experts for their thoughts on the future of their domains, I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. So today, the topic is networking. And joining me today is Brink Sanders, MD of Enterprise Networking from Cisco in Asia. Brink, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Gwen. I really appreciate you doing this. So, okay, so I'm a consumer, Brink. Uh, I think networks seem quite boring. Am I wrong or am I right? Uh, I think for most consumers today, the network's ubiquitous. You don't know it's there. It's almost the electricity of this generation. You kind of forget about it. But when it goes away, that really impacts your life. You start to think about things like, hey, use your, your phone for communication, whether that's on a mobile network or, or Wi-Fi inside of a building. Use it for your entertainment. All your social networks come in through communications, through the network. And I think when that goes down, you really notice. Your electricity goes out today, you kind of get over it pretty quickly because you can still communicate. When that communication goes down, uh, your life changes. And I think that's why you should care about it, even though my goal is to hope that you don't have to care about that because we want to keep these networks up and running and make it so your experience is fantastic. Technically, I will not die if I can't go on like Facebook you know, to chat with my friends, right? Well, that's true, but if you think about your daily life and how much you use your phone to take care of activities that you're doing. So I know many of us use maps to get places uh, on our phone. Yeah, I, I'm old enough. I go back to the days we used to use paper maps. You'd have to ask for directions. Hey, I did that too. I put it on MapQuest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So today we all rely on our phones. So if your communication's down and you can't get to your Google Maps, your Yahoo Maps, chances are you're going to really struggle to get places. People rely on payments today in some markets for uh, mobile payments, using their phone to make a payment in a grocery store or something like that. So I think the more we bring in these great new services, I don't think we really realize the dependency that that creates for us on the network itself. Although the like, super side tangent is that now one of the greater risks is also that my phone runs out of battery, right? <laughs> exactly. Everybody carries a power brick around to make sure that that doesn't happen because we do rely on it so heavily. Yeah, exactly. So apart from users then, so why should businesses care? Listen, I think businesses need to care for a, a number of reasons. Um, first and foremost, you know, we're in the consumer world, we're used to it for our social networks, our entertainment, and some of these daily life kinds of activities. Businesses rely on it for almost all of their fundamental uh, output. So if you think about it in terms of a, a retailer relies heavily on the network for their point of sale systems to work. You know, you have a, a, a retail branch that goes out during a holiday period. You know, we're, we're right around um, the holiday period now. 
that has a huge impact on their bottom line, on the receipts that they can take in, on how they actually can um, process transactions. You know, many retailers can, can fail over to a manual system, but that significantly limits the number of transactions they can take during that day. You know, you can expand yeah, that know, out. I have a personal, personal experience. I was at a restaurant like some time ago, and I wanted to pay for the dinner via my credit card, right? And they're like, oh, our POS system is down. I was like, sorry, I don't have cash. What are we going to do? So we just left waiting there for like an hour, chatting away, sure, but it was, yeah, not good, right? You know, absolutely. And when you think about that from a business perspective, you know, Gartner actually estimates that every minute of downtime costs a business about $5,600. So that adds up to about 300K per hour. Like you really think about the significance of that. That's on average across a broad range of retailers. So that's, that's one example. You know, the other one I'll give real quick, um, just because I think it's so important, is the user experience, right? We're all consumers now. You rely on a business to deliver certain services to you. And when those services rely on the network, when I have a bad experience as a consumer with that business, I might not go back. And that has a, a deep and quick impact on a, on a business's overall objectives. Yeah, to me, that's brand erosion, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So for networks. Can you give us a brief, how have networks evolved and how do you think they will evolve? Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think we still think of networks very much just based on connectivity and, th and that is how they've evolved. They've evolved from a point-to-point -point connection into, you know, you evolve into the internet, right, where we've actually connected many, many different services, many different things, and we're able to then deploy services on top of that. You know, we have mobile networks, we have Wi-Fi networks. So I would say it's evolved to the point where it's providing that ubiquity that we talked about earlier, and people have really um, become dependent on that. Now, the really interesting thing is there's still a great deal of opportunity for us beyond that basic connectivity. You think of things like security, right? You can't, you can't talk to a, a consumer today or a business today that doesn't really think about the implications of cybersecurity and cyber attacks. Um, the network has a huge opportunity with all of the information flows that it sees to play a much, much bigger role there. You also start to think about with all that the network sees, the data and the availability of that data that I think we're just starting to tap into. So I think as the network evolves, that, that ubiquity will continue. Um, we need to make it more resilient. None of us like to find dead spots or um, find places where we, we can't really get on that website as quickly as we wanted to. Um, that part will get better and better, but it's these new areas that I think the network can really deliver um, fantastic new things. So how can we make the network smarter? How smart are they today? You know, it's interesting. Um, the network has been historically uh, rather dumb. You know, we, we set it up. I think the, the model, if you talk to a lot of businesses today, so let's look at kind of the enterprise. Um, most enterprise network operators, you know, they set up the network, they get it working right, and they don't want to touch it. They want to just let it be because you don't want to touch it and, and, and run the risk of bringing anything down. Um, I mean, so even from a consumer perspective, I don't want to touch my router. You know, when it falls down, I'm like, holy crap, is my Wi-Fi going down? Exactly, exactly. So there, there's very much this set and forget attitude. Um, the problem is that that's not scalable. And I think as we, as networks start to evolve and as we look at what they can do, 
we really need to start providing better and better capabilities for our customers, and this is the way that Cisco looks, for companies to be able to manage their networks via software to really abstract some of that complexity and make those networks much more resilient. And, and the way we do that, we tap into this rich, rich data store of all the, all the connections that are happening, the visibility to how things are operating on a network to make sure that when you try to get on a Wi-Fi network and you can't get on that we know that you couldn't get on we know that history, we know what was going on, and we use the data to help that network self-heal, right? If we can see the conditions that lead up to a problem, we now can start to proactively adjust as those conditions start to occur. And this concept of kind of a self-healing network, right? An issue starts to happen, it never gets to be catastrophic because we see what's driving it. We get in and can repair it, can add capacity, can adjust server availability, whatever it is. And therefore, you never see, as a, as a consumer or a user, you never see that outage happening. Like, that's really where we're trying to go with networks. And it's exciting because we finally have the technology to be able to do that effectively. Would AI be a term, accurate term, to kind of describe kind of what you're talking about? Because what you just talked about seems to be like elements of it, right? That's absolutely true. So if you think about it, um, and I'm, I'm a fairly simple person. I don't go deep, deep from an engineering perspective. I think of artificial intelligence, machine learning, the terms that are applied to that as very simply pattern recognition. It's the ability to identify patterns out of large sets of data. And then once you can identify those patterns, you can apply that to new information to say, does this meet the historical pattern that I've seen? And that pattern, if it's led to an outage before, we see it starting to emerge again it gives us the ability to really step in and intervene. And it absolutely is that artificial intelligence, that, that, that pattern recognition that allows us to detect these things. The other piece I'll bring in, um, which is, is really exciting for Cisco. So we see about 80% of the world's internet traffic go over Cisco networks. So you think of the breadth and visibility. Um, we have 30 That's years a lot. of best practice. It's, it's, it's a huge amount. And then you think about the enterprise customers who we troubleshoot their networks. We manage you know, through our, with our partner community and, and with Cisco directly. We, we step in and help manage those networks. We see a lot of best practices for how networks are architected, but we also see a lot of the issues that happen. We're starting to use artificial intelligence to tap into that wealth of knowledge to bring that great worldwide visibility to bear for our customers so that they get the best view of what we know goes wrong and how do we intervene to keep it from going wrong so their networks are more and more resilient. So geographically, when you talk about the world, are there differences um, amongst the capabilities of companies, say, in Asia versus elsewhere? Absolutely. Um, we definitely see the uh, you know, developed market versus developing market trends. I think our development, developed markets, the mature markets, are way out ahead in terms of the innovation they're delivering, the resiliency of their networks, et cetera. Now, what I will say is the developing markets are catching up very quickly. You've got a rich set of services that are delivered by, you know, let's, let's take APJ specifically, you know, carriers. So Asia-Pacific Japan, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Let's take the Asia region. Like you look at ASEAN and, you know, there's definitely between the service providers, enterprises, they offer a rich set of services. The same thing is true in India. And we even see in some of those developing regions some fantastic innovation coming out because you take a country like India, 
you know, the challenges they face with such a vast rural population, um, a dramatically, uh, very quickly developing economy and trying to bring people into that economy, it introduces a whole lot of challenges from a networking perspective to be able to connect them. So that's one big, um, big difference. We see innovation coming. I think the second thing, um, which is where I see a real point of differentiation, in the, in the developed markets, we see a huge care about for things like security. Um, and we see a, a deep interest in really developing partnerships with your network providers. As I look up, uh, across some of the developing countries, it's still a cost market. And I would encourage those parts of the world to really think deeply about the implications of that. It's not just about getting the cheapest access point or the cheapest router. You know, to deliver those services and to really be able to deliver them securely, you have to be thinking about the significance of that infrastructure to what you're trying to achieve and to the consumers that you're serving. And I really wish they take that uh, security mindset, the advanced capabilities more to heart, because I think it'll help them uh, deliver a better range of services to their customers. So what needs to happen before truly smart networks run our world? You know, I think what we're going through right now is the first wave of truly bringing software in to run networks. You know, up until this point, and even most of our customers today still manage their networks very box by box. You know, we've seen this evolution in the data center. Uh, it's very software driven today. It wasn't two years ago. We're just starting that journey in the network. Um, we've delivered capabilities with our DNA architecture to help to, to bring that to light, to really enable that abstraction of this physical infrastructure to deliver things through software. And once we can do that, that's where all these concepts of artificial intelligence, self-healing networks, you know, even basic automation of, of provisioning new devices and new services for users, these are the things that start to become possible once we move to that software-delivered network platform. Okay, this may sound like an easy question, but do we want truly smart networks to run our world? It's like a contrary question. <laughs> you know, it, so I think, listen, um, it's an intriguing question as you start to look at uh, certainly the, the rhetoric out there. Rhetoric is probably not the right word, but the thinking on artificial intelligence, right? This concern that as that starts to develop in robotics and other fields that uh, it, it could take over the world, right? I certainly heard that you have a lot of industry leaders that um, I think are on opposite sides of that. You know, for the network right now, we're learning. And I think bringing some of these tools to the network to allow it to start to heal itself is where we are in that journey. I see a future where we allow that to happen. It is controlled. There are gates that allow a human to step in or a set of rules to step in to make sure it's the right thing to do because it is critical infrastructure. But as we look at things like IoT, as we look at the number of mobile devices that are coming onto networks, you know, I think Gartner predicts that there's going to be um, 60 million connections per second, 63 million connections per, per second um, into the network by 2020, right? That's a huge, huge, huge volume of connections. We can't scale. We can't deliver quality infrastructure, quality networks, unless we hand over some of that to software to help us scale to meet those demands. So I'm not worried about it uh, becoming negative at this point. Um, I think we have a lot to learn on the, the, the positive impact that that can have over the coming years. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be sentient anytime soon in my opinion as well. But okay, so I've got two last questions for you, Brink. But 
why shouldn't businesses go to you for their networking needs? Why shouldn't mm. they come to us? Yeah, why shouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, here's what I would say. We find businesses not coming to us when they only care about price. If your entire focus is, I want the cheapest access point, I want the cheapest switch, you're trying to minimize the cost that you spend on hardware, um, we're the wrong provider. If you think more about security, if you're thinking about the resiliency of the network that you want to deliver, the experience that you want to deliver to your consumers, if you start to think about um, your total cost of ownership, really what it takes not just to buy the hardware and the infrastructure that you're going to light up your network with, but all that it takes from your human capital, your, your resources to manage that network, if you're thinking more broadly like that, we're the right partner. Well, you just preempted my last question. My last question was like, why should they go to you then? <laughs> it's two sides of the same coin. I had to be, you know, why they wouldn't is the, is the opposite of why they wouldn't yeah. to us. Gosh, okay. That was really nice summarize. Um, okay, so that's all the time we have today. Thank you very so much for having this chat. It was interesting. We'll definitely chat more after this, right? So everyone, thanks for listening to the Cisco Chat Podcast, and I'll see you next time. Thanks very much, Gwen.